Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash yesteryear's news today. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com forward slash yesteryear's news today. Hello and welcome to Yesteryear's News Today, 12th of July, 1919. A little item in the Chicago Tribune's rectangle has been growing in popularity. Pay a visit to Gasoline Alley yourself every Sunday. The R-34 airship completed its historic transatlantic flight on July 6th. And finally, Uncle Sam has appointed Cho-Cho the Clown to teach health to children. That was the news as it was this week in 1919, July the 12th. Which can mean only one thing. You're listening to Yesteryear's News Today. And I'm Shane. I'm Johnny. And welcome. Yeah, that was a very smooth entrance. Oh uh, yeah, we're working hard here. Yeah. I might say one thing and we can edit it back. We can edit into the entrance. Yeah. Where the news is better late than never. We forget we forget that line the whole time. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's a bit too cheesy though. No, I love it though. <laughs> I like it I like, too much. I like pulling it out though sometimes and then leaving it yeah, just yeah. just snap, pull it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, okay, so yesteryear's news today, if you're listening to this for the first time, if you just came across it, you probably listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or some other podcatcher, but if you haven't subscribed, please do that, and, you know, like and rate, and review even. Yeah, yeah, we got some really nice reviews recently. Yeah, those last few were really good, we got some in Canada, I saw it this morning, I was seeing there's like three or four in Canada. Hello, Canadian friends. Yeah, somebody said, like... Um, oh, I'm think... currently drinking a can of Canadian. Yeah, I really, I quite not like. that I'm drinking while we do the podcast. <laughs> oh, I like it, everything Canadian anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but there was some some really nice ones. But no, it was the Canadian ones I found funny because somebody said like fun for all the family, and I don't know if they're being sarcastic or not. <laughs> <laughs> also, I have to apologize for something in the last one. Oh. Yeah, oh, it's a big one too, because I, I I don't think either of us picked up on it, but I cursed, I used the F word, and I made it into the oh, podcast. You, oh, you didn't I, edit it I never noticed it, because it was said so quickly, I just was bridging two thoughts together. Johnny, did you drop an F-bomb? I dropped an F-bomb. I said, I effing love a particular book or something. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I didn't notice, even when I was editing it, I just, it didn't. I didn't even notice when you said it. But for some reason, I remember it. You know that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. I remember thinking, oh, Johnny will edit that out. I just and never... I'm sure, like, anytime... Because we curse quite... Well, no, actually, we do pretty well, but usually... We I, curse a lot, and then Johnny edits it all <laughs> <laughs> But I just missed it. I edited... Yeah. I know I edited curse words out of that episode. It's yeah. just whatever way I said it so quickly, oh, yeah. I didn't hear it. But, um, yeah. But you said feckin', didn't you? Oh, that was it. Actually, yeah, I said feckin'. It doesn't count. You can get away with that. <laughs> I think we'd have plausible deniability on that one. I was having this debate the other day with uh, some friends here, like in Irish. Some sometimes like there's Irish curse words that get through censorship on American TV. Yeah, and yeah. one of my favorites is always Colomini, who was playing Chief O'Brien in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. He used to, like things would blow up on him. He'd always just go bollocks. Yeah, yeah. And he'd get away with it because he'd get past the censors and stuff. I well, used to always it, find that really it works funny. the other way around when you think about it. Because we always yeah we hear like they use wanker. Yeah. Like on English actors always use wanker. Yeah, and on the f- they if said you watch Constantine or he always uses it. They said flat, uh, on Flintstones they said wanker once, and they said it yeah. in The Simpsons, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's crazy to get away with." But we use jerk here, and we oh, get yeah. away with it. But jerk means the exact same thing in America. 
Oh. And they won't have Fred Flintstone won't be allowed to say jerk. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, it this means is more censored, isn't it? Well, it jerk, don't be a jerk, jerk, yeah, and wank. They're the same thing. Yeah. They literally mean the exact same thing. I've one little story here. I'd like to read to you. Oh wait, hold on a second. No, you didn't. Yeah, just because I want to mention something else. Uh, we got well. I got had something. I think it's two episodes ago. We were talking about... I can't remember how it came up exactly, but we were talking about reintroducing... Oh, no, you were talking about the... Oh, the bird. What's the name of the bird? Uh, um, but we were talking about reintroducing animals into yeah. to help an ecosystem, and I was talking about the plans to reintroduce the wolf Oh yeah, yeah. in, in Wicklow. Well, I have some more information about this. It was actually... It was only proposed in 2011. Yeah. So it was very small, and it was pretty much... It was kind of shot down pretty much straight away i remember hearing that before but i thought it came up more recently and that's why i went looking because you know in the podcast i said i was reading something about recently and i did and it was from wicklownews.net and a a, a different website i want to say green renaissance but i don't think it was them and i don't want to put the blame on a a website that was fooled as well but somebody else took it and that's where i saw it but i went back and found the original wicklow.net article and it was posted on april 1st Oh, really? this year, so it was uh, the the recent plans was an April Fool's Day prank, oh, okay. which is funny. It was originally actually proposed. It was proposed in 2011, but not yeah. you know it was one group proposed uh, proposed to do it, and they're just like no, <laughs> and that was yeah, it. Yeah. It wasn't like the way I was talking about in that episode was that they were actually moving along and they had like yeah. they were planning five. It was the Starling bird we were talking about. Sorry, it took Starling. me to think of that. Um, but the reason but, I brought that up because we were talking in the historic hoaxes episode about how annoying that is yeah with those type of but that one annoyed me even more just because they took something that, that was once a, tr- a true article yeah and, and then they... just wrote it as a joke that is like if on april fool's day as a prank i wrote a story about a car collision on the m4 and two people died yeah he'd be like it okay well, it didn't ha- happen yeah it didn't happen on that day but it happened it... the day after <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the day before yeah it's just yeah it's funny though because the weekend we did that podcast, I think on the Thursday, Friday, I think we recorded it. That Saturday, I went to Glendalock up to the Wicklow Mountains, and right. uh, I saw a wild uh, doe. Oh yeah! Deer. I got like nearly as close as you and me are from it, and got a cool photograph of it. And then I turned to my wife and went, "Oh, do you know they're going to be bringing back wolves? Be killing that." <laughs> if they're here and she was like that's really upsetting I was like no no that's really good for the environment there's too many of them and I told her the whole story yeah. <laughs> and, and um, it's not true but I'm not going to tell her that well apparently there is still a group there is still groups seeking that to happen but it's just it's not on a, any sort of level where a council yeah. are actually to me it makes sense though cause it, uh, it definitely yeah. does um, yeah wicklownews.net that's the website to do that and I'm just actually googling them there they're actually just a local website i, I guess i'm oh, not right. probably too harsh wasn't know. wasn't the uh was it, honestly, i'm thinking of water whisper. i'm gonna call out i'm gonna no no yeah it's not a joke they're, they're, the, they're like the irish version of the union yeah and, uh, let's see who who wrote the article let's call them out no it just says posted by wicklow news oh, they're taking the old timey route of it, not admitting who yeah, wrote it it's saying david mcconnon reports wolves are set to be introduced by i'm guessing that david is just a made-up name for the article anyway so but maybe it was somebody who really believes in the project and is trying to get some traction on it maybe but then did it on april fool's day <laughs> 
I'll link it on the site anyway, so it's... Yeah. Yeah, because they have a bit about just the Irish wolves in general. Well, I think they're Scottish wolves is the actual breed, but... Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so anyway, you had a story and I stopped you. It's just one of those little stories in a newspaper that just caught my eye. Um, and it's Uncle Sam Hires Clown. <laughs> <laughs> Chocho, the highest paid circus clown in the United States, has been employed by the government to teach health to children. He is the liveliest feature at the exhibition of the Interior Department with white satin costume bulging with big yellow carrots, red apples, and bottles of milk. <laughs> if you drink a pint a day, you will smile to see how much you weigh, Chocho says. Wait, say that line again? If you drink, uh, if you drink, drink a pint, pint a, a day, day, you will smile to see how much you weigh, Chocho says. Okay. <laughs> um, is it... Uh, I'm sure it's written Chocho, but is that the same? Because Coco, you know, that famous... It's C-H-O-C-H-O. Oh, I guess that is Chocho, yeah. Rather than Coco. Because yeah. you hear, isn't like Coco is a famous clown or something? No. That I know and, about. And I have a picture of him. That uh, we need to put up. And it's creepy, I assume. I think he's very friendly looking. Oh, bloody hell. Oh, my God. It looks like Michael Myers. Like, yeah, he looks like a absolute like horror. <laughs> yeah, like that's a... He's the scariest looking clown I've ever seen. Oh my god, he's pointing at He's doing the... Un- un- is that meant to be the Uncle Sam point? Like the, oh, your like, country needs you? I, n- I don't know. But, but it looks more like... He kind of looks drunk. Yeah, and terrifying. Yeah, yeah, that's scary. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He just looks so scary. And uh, we'll put the picture up because it's terrifying. Yeah, that is, well, that's it. Uh, that's <laughs> all I have on that sort. But it, this is one of those things I just thought was really funny. So the government in 1919, and this is in the paper on the 12th of July, 1919. It was in the Sausalito News. And it was just one of those things that I just thought was like, so that's what the government were trying to do to get kids to be healthy and stuff at the time. And I just thought that was like kind of an interesting conversation that... Yeah, just like e- the, even the phrase of like you'll be surprised how much you weigh by like drinking yeah. more milk. So it's obviously people were very undernourished. Of course, it was after rations of the war and things like that. So I imagine a lot of people were very uh, malnourished and people just didn't eat right and stuff like that. So and it's that time where milk was still like every, you, you need as much milk as you can get. Yeah, because it's healthy. It's good for your bones and all that stuff. He was um. That was spelled C H O C H O C H O. Because I googled that and the only result. Even though I googled the CHO, I got Choo Choo the clown. Oh, a, maybe that's no, no. This is a different. This is a current clown. Oh, right. he's got the worst website I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, because it's dated two thousand and fourteen, but it looks like it was built in like nineteen ninety three. Oh yeah, that's one of those first websites that was on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I just I was, yeah, yeah, I just I just find it interesting like the, the kind of nutritional messages that are like. Back then, and, but even like if you look through the newspapers, there's all these things of like make sure you cook with like Flanagan's lard, yeah, and stuff of this, and it's a uh, it's for the healthier, better taste, and it's all just like cook with lard, and it's good for you. And actually, the funny thing about it is, it was before the whole fat is evil thing that came along yeah. in more of the 60s, 70s, and people actually were probably healthier <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah, well. There was less. Sh- there was less sugar but in food, and there was more. Well, junk food hadn't been invented. Is no, kind of... no. It was more trans fats. And yeah. Eat people that ate a lot of like 
fried chicken and stuff like that. Yeah, like, there was still, like... It, it's more... I think the thing that, that do damage nowadays is, like, the junk food that has... It's not It's not even so much the sugar and salt in it. It's just the fact that they're all empty carbs, like, so people are yeah, eating yeah. them and not being full and just eating more and more of it. Yeah, especially, like, fa- fast food didn't really exist. Like Yeah, this. yeah. So even, like... Yeah, even drinking loads of milk and eating, like, you know, bacon that might be very fatty, like, it's yeah. still actually filling. They're not eating as much of it as you are now. No, no. Like, drinking, drinking uh, like, three pints of milk a day is still better for you than, like, having two fast food meals a day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not the best thing for you, but it's still better. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a bit different. But it, and then, of course, it was before the whole, like, um, high fructose corn syrup and all that kind of stuff existed, which is just pure sugar evil. yeah <laughs> sugar evil sugar evil that's, that's a, a great name for a band just thinking, yeah. <laughs> well here's one harkens back to the very first episode where we talked about airships for a while oh yeah but this is a uh, certainly worth mentioning this week on july 6th which i think was a sunday but anyway sorry it, was, it saw the arrival of a british airship the r34 in america on july 6th it uh, landed, it, you know, crossed the Atlantic from Scotland. And oh, yeah. so this week it landed in America. I n- already know, because we talked about this and this stuff came up, I, I know you you already know stuff about this. And this I, is... I came across the story, yeah, yeah. And uh, I took a slightly different direction with it, actually. It's funny. Well, I'll go into the landing anyway. Yeah, so... yeah, you go on. Yeah, keep going. There's not much even to say about it. So, yeah, so at 9 a.m. it arrived in Manola, New York after crossing the Atlantic. So it left Scotland on July 2nd. It's landed on the 6th, or on the 6th. So it made a journey of 3,130 nautical miles to America. So 108 hours and 12 minutes, that's how long the flight took. And there was this guy, one of the chief crew members, Major E.M. Pitcard, I can't, I'm not sure on his name, are oh, you? Oh, it's uh, Pritchard. Pritchard, okay. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I really... like Pitcard. <laughs> well, I thought it was Prick. Yeah, I was like, oh, I want it to be that. But I don't know much about him. The only thing I know is that when it landed in New York, he parachuted from the airship to ground level. Which I think is the most badass to thing. To supervise the landing operations. That's incredible. It's so badass. Well, yeah, and like, do you know more? Cause, Cause, well, no, all I know about that is it's because he was trained in it because they trained about it in England. And then the people on the ground in, in, um, what was it, in, in, in Ola, they didn't know, like, the landing procedures mm. so he was like i'll parachute down and talk them through Whoa. it which i just think is that's so badass bri- yeah that's brilliant well so you know about this guy okay i'll wrap up no on not that guy he oh, wasn't right. the captain but he was one of the crew yeah yeah oh yeah i know the captain i don't know about the captain i just know okay, i know about the captain yeah the, i just know that it was, was uh, major george herbert scott. scott yeah yeah i just know and that I he was the captain him, so um yeah. well we go okay so i'll finish which up is, on this yeah, one yeah, keep going, yeah. and you can talk about him but yeah so <laughs> Although I guess what there's not really much more him parachuting down to land on it is kind of the most interesting thing about it. Um, well, okay, yeah, and then it returned. Of course, it returned back to England. So on July 10th, the R34 left New York, and that flight only took 75 hours and three minutes. So that was so as well as being the first transatlantic, or it was the first all-round trip basically. But what I find most interesting about it, do you know? anything about like the design because this was the no. yeah the r34 or yeah 34 it's 
you know the 33 was the first one and yeah. this was just a, a better model of that how they what they based the design off that's this is a great there's not much of a story it's just a great fact off the Poe design of it no no it was based off a german zeppelin the l32 yeah there was one of the the um, baby Three. killers from world war one oh, okay. it was shot down over essex during world war one and the crew members the german crew tried to burn it before the brits got there mm. but this they didn't get to it in time like the germans just couldn't burn it yeah and so the brits captured them and they got the blimp intact and the engine was fine so they stole the design no way yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i just find that amazing that it was that's actually incredible. and the fact that like that's their the germans they were obviously instructed yeah if you are shot down like yeah, destroy the ship um, um but it's a fantastic way to travel and like if you think of that at the time like they were able to get for what was it uh, 105 hours 103 hours yeah 103 hours from and 12 100, sorry 108, um, 108 from <laughs> england to america like that's the fastest it had ever been done mm. like at the time planes were like very simple two-seater planes could maybe go like england to france for dog fights in world war one kind of thing you wouldn't go across that um, it was a couple of, another few years before somebody did a transatlantic in a plane. Yeah. Um, and then just like would, and they were more comfortable way to travel because what they did is they built a, what they called it, they called them like gondolas. Yeah, yeah. So you had basically your room suspended from the balloon, or kind of attached to the bottom of it. Um, and that's what brought you. So you're like, you know, in like a, it's almost like being in a, a tram car. Yeah, yeah. Hanging out of a balloon, like, so. Well, that's all. <laughs> and we... it was a comfortable way to travel. So you think, oh, like, 108 hours. Like, how many days is that? It's like five, just, what, five, six days? Yeah. And, uh, but so far, like, the idea being that, like, in then in the time, at the time, like, they spent only four days in New York and then went home again. And th- I think that's just amazing. Like, but to be able to say that to people to go, oh, you know, I was I was just in New York there. Yeah. Days, yeah. And now I'm back there. Like, you you were just there. What you, know? you think about it, like well, that's like they're called airships because they they were closer to a ship that sailed the sea, like yeah, yeah. And that's where like how long did it t- do, how long does it did it take you to sail from Liverpool to New York? Like how, what was the the Titanic? What was oh, that journey meant know. to be? I think it was. I think it was about two weeks. I could be wrong. yeah, but it could what, be three weeks. I think it's two weeks now. Yeah, I think yeah. I it's think something. It's something like I think fifteen was, days. Because when we covered days, it recently, I think eleven days. My eleven days sticks out. But yeah, yeah. But maybe that's how it was. Eleven days through its fourteen day journey or something. Yeah, yeah. As well, you were pointing out there the seventy five hours back, and that's because of the winds. It's the same today. Yeah, if you, if yeah. you fly today from, like, say, here over to the states, it's a longer journey over, and then you come back faster. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like. Um, well that was the problem with airships too like because they could be taken off course so easy because of the wind there was there was a huge problem with them now that was the or 34 and major george herbert major george herbert scott was the commander of the or 34 he then went on to become the commander of the or 101 which was part of a huge which is basically the evolution of the same program the or 34 was in which is this airship design. And yeah. so the, the English government set up this like civil, um, what is it? They call the air ministry. And there, there's a lord um, who they assigned as 
uh, he was the Lord of Air. Right. right. Which is amazing, right? And they started a program. What they wanted to do was they wanted to have a regular... They built two ships, and one was to belong to... Uh, they were owned by the British government, but for civil use, so for people to use, to set them up as, like, public transport, basically. Yeah. And the one was to go from uh, London to New York, so to do the same journey as the or 34 and the other one, because at the time after the war... In, uh, Britain ruled a quarter of the world. Yeah. Right. So, one of their biggest territories was India. So, what they wanted to do was set up one that journeyed to India and one that went to the States. And so, the Or 101 was to go to the States. And they spent they spent ages building this ship. It's a massive ship. It was uh, 731 feet long. Right. Um, and it How spent. How many Jaws is, is that? <laughs> if Kevin Smith, if you're listening, let me let me see how many Jaws that is. Was it Jaws is twenty two feet? That is. I think so. Yeah, yeah. So seven hundred and thirty one. You work that out there, will you? I'll keep. Talking. I've got. I actually I calculate that, will you? So the and what they did with this well, ship how, is, how many feet was it? Just so as I know, uh, seven hundred and thirty one feet long. Okay. <laughs> this right. one's for Kevin Smith specifically. Um. <laughs> and anyway, right. So the ship was now we're getting into the late 20s we are taking a bit of a time jump here i know we're doing 1919 but it's relevant well, we do that because the whole time i know because it's relevant because <laughs> it's uh, major george herbert scott was the yeah. captain of this ship as well and he um but anyway the ship spent a couple of years in development and cost like over seven hundred thousand pounds at the time which is an insane amount of money and they put a lot of development into it they built it took it out and basic the basic design of it was what they did with this thing was Rather than having a gondola on the bottom, they built a framework inside. So they built a solid frame blimp with aluminium frames because aluminium was this new metal. Yeah. Or for alum, alum, aluminum, for those who uh, pronounce it that way. Um, so they built this light frame and uh, what they did is they built gas bags inside it. But they had the excess space that they were able to put in a two-story hotel, basically, into the thing. Which had rooms, they had estate rooms, they had a dining area, lounges, all this kind of stuff. It was amazing. Really properly built. Now, there's some gondolas at the bottom of it, which were basically... What was the name of this again? The Or 101. What? Um, no, you, yeah, and we... it could travel from uh, London to India in less than two weeks. When yeah. at the time was unheard, or I think less than a week, actually. Or in a week, with only a couple of stops along the way to refuel and yeah, stuff like yeah. that and get supplies. Which was unheard of at the time. Um, now, that was the plan. When they first built it and they tested it, they realized they weren't getting enough lift. So they cut it in half and made it longer, <laughs> which was then to the total length of 731 feet. And um, they added another like 50 feet to it because it was too. And then they got an extra like so many, many million pounds of lift and this kind of stuff. With Now, at the time, they couldn't get helium cheaply. Yeah. Um. So they had to use hydrogen, which is flammable. But hydrogen has way more lift than helium, so it was more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so on. Let's see. In this is October. So in October in uh, nineteen thirty, they took their maiden voyage, and on board was the Minister of Air. Um. And I can't think of his name. I didn't take his name down. Um. And 
obviously Major George Herbert Scott was captaining it, and he was a very experienced Zeppelinite, I suppose would be the word, at the time. And they, uh, so they left, and then they went to London and circled over London because this was a huge deal. Like the government, as I said, they put like nearly a million pounds into this in 1930, which was insane amount of money. Yeah. yeah. Between the wars, they were feeling rich. You know, they owned huge. They owned a quarter of the world. They were. Uh, this would open up huge amounts of yeah. fast trade between them and India. Spices, the whole lot. So it was a really I, big deal. I, Sorry, I don't know how much this plays a part in it, or maybe you have this in notes. But after World War One, as part of the settlement oh, of yeah. Germany, pretty much making up for what they'd done, yeah. they had to distribute all their remaining zeppelins between all the Allied forces. Oh, okay. Yeah. To for repurposing and for building their own ones to steal from yeah. that technology. Just thought that's worth pointing out. That's another oh, okay. reason. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, so what they do is, anyway, with this, so they took, they took off and then they circled over London to show off to crowds, like, look at our achievement. And yeah. there's a big push in the government where, like, look what your government's doing for you and all that kind of thing. Um, and then sh- so shortly, uh, once they got over, it was around 1 a.m., they were over... Uh, Johnny's reaching back to look for his copy of Jaws. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, go on, go on. No. Um, and uh, they were over uh, France. They passed over the the Channel. Yeah, yeah. And they got into some really heavy winds and rain, which wasn't too bad. But because they were traveling at about fifty miles per hour themselves, which was pretty good speeds. Yeah. Uh, the gale force wind, as a result of oh, like yeah. the winds combined with their speed they started losing altitude and they weren't quite sure what it was um, and they thought maybe they had a lot of trouble in development stage that there's these gas bags that are in so think of the blimp shape and inside that was a chamber or in that's a chamber but a steel frame in that are gas bags yeah and they're made out of I think it's a uh, cow's bladders like sewn together and uh, so the cow's bladders they had a lot of problems with like leaky holes in them and that kind of stuff and they varnished them and eventually they got them right by doing a lot of stitching and getting patching and all that kind of stuff. They got it right. But they thought, oh, maybe we're losing too much air or too much gas, which is hydrogen gas. Um, and what actually happened was the f- outer flap up on the top of the outer skin had come loose at the very front section and actually been pl- blown back by the high winds. And the heavy rain and stuff then started bombarding the bare bladder skinned bags and then one of those burst and once that burst oh, then they lost yeah. altitude so they still had plenty of other bags that were plenty of inflated were protected but they were losing enough gas that they lost altitude they were too heavy and they were going down now they were very experienced um helmsman and under uh, major scott they landed really well really softly their impact was only at about 13 miles per hour i watched a documentary about this and they described it as most people when they fall off their bike fall off at about 20 miles per hour <laughs> so to think of like the impact it was pretty good they were pretty safe but what happened was during the impact it caused stress on the aluminium frames and they some of them snapped sort of rubbing against each other which caused a spark well, yeah. they had m- thousands and thousands of pounds of hydrogen gas it ignited and you have a uh, of the 52 people on board, 48 were killed. 
uh, as a result of the fire. Um, and even after the fire, even though the damage was still quite bad, they could see exactly what happened with the flaps and everything and figure out exactly what happened. It. Um, as a result of it, the English government then dismantled the Ore 100, which was supposed to go over to the States. Yeah. It hadn't been finished yet. And they sold all the aluminium for scrap and stopped the pro- it ended the program. Yeah, yeah. And then it was another I think nine years when Hindenburg went down. Yeah. And the only reason the Hindenburg is more famous is Hinde- less people died in the Hindenburg. Yeah. But the Hindenburg was, was caught on camera. Yeah. And televised. And it was the same re- like we talked about this in the first episode as well. Like yeah. that they had hydrogen and it was because of the the Americans had uh, put a ban on Yeah, they had all the helium. Yeah. And um Which is fair enough because they weren't they weren't trading with the Nazis. No, but also uh, hydrogen has better lift. Yeah, per, yeah. Per well, I think with the Hindenburg, it didn't even it did because the Hindenburg wasn't actually even close to as being as big as the one hundred one either. Like, so they they actually could have made no. do with helium. I think the, yeah, when they yeah. originally designed that, they wanted it to be helium, but they just couldn't get it. Yeah, yeah. So they actually got extra lift by having the hydrogen. Mm. But yeah, so it's mad. Uh, that's no, what, what I found out about uh, Major Scott. Anyway, sorry. what I was <laughs> reaching for has nothing got to do with it. It's just, but hold on. I just think it's the cover of this book. Oh, is yeah, it? it's like the science fiction of Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, story. and it has the his his fake balloon. We talked about that story, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, I've, I have a picture of the or one on one. Um, that I'll also needs to go up on the Facebook page. Um, I don't have any with me today. Actually, to show it to you, I meant to. Yeah, well, it can go up. I converted all my notes to a PDF and I forgot to put that picture in. So I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the relation to I can Google the Ore 34. Anyway. But also, yeah, Did you find out how many jaws? 29.24 jaws. That's a lot of jaws. That's a lot of jaws. So this, this thing was massive. <laughs> but if you think of it, that's. Let's just say it's. Well, it's 29, round it off. 29 jaws. It's close to a mile long, though. Like 732. Yeah. Uh, foot it was a thousand feet is a mile they say the weight of jaws as well so you can convert it all oh wow sorry <laughs> um, so kevin there you go <laughs> if you're i used to do that too and i still do it in my head sometimes like when i was a kid like, spider-man used to be like that was my favorite cartoon yeah so and i used to because you know it was a tv half hour like they because we watched on the den that was the show in ireland that aired on so they would take commercial breaks so it was a half an hour yeah and so or no, nearly a half an hour, like 25 minutes, say. Yeah. So, uh, like, how many... If it's, so, oh, just, we'll be there in an hour. I'd, like, what they'd have to convert into Spider-Man time for me. How like, many Spider-Mans ma- is that? Yeah, yeah, It's like, oh, it's... One Spider-Man. Yeah, three and a half, or it's four yeah, Spider-Mans. Yeah. That's really funny, how many Spider-Mans is that? What else is there for Zeppelins? Is there any other... Do you have any other interesting bits? Uh, Led Zeppelin are awesome. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Pretty much, we've talked. About, you see, yeah, we talked about Zeppelins before, so I don't want to repeat if we, just our general talk. No, well, um, we should probably talk about von Zeppelin at some point. Do you know enough about him to talk right now? Mm, probably not right now. Like I could wing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I know, know nothing, that's so. I know that's where the name comes from. Yeah, I know nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I don't really know much. I, we don't need to go into him anyway. I know he wasn't actually alive. I think he died before the. World War One okay, yeah, broke yeah. out, so he never actually got to see how how destructive they could be. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I because I remember I was, was reading up on Zeppelin's a bit recently, just when we we're doing war stuff. 
oh, yeah. I wouldn't remember too much by heart. Like, if there's some interesting things about them. like the, because I was wondering, like, when we talk about them being, you know, called baby killers because of them bombing London during World War One. Yeah, yeah. And I was always, I was curious how how they managed, and I thought there would have been some elaborate <laughs> method to it, but it was just guys throwing grenades from the cockpit. Like, oh the, really? The, yeah, like the dog fights. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, yeah. This is bonkers. Easier done on a Zeppelin though than, yeah. than an aircraft. That's insane. And I was reading up like just bits. Yeah, because they do have an interest. Because, you know, they were around like way before I even thought originally. Like the fact that they were, well, not quite. Like, because there's a difference between a Zeppelin and a blimp. Like, you know, there's yeah, like yeah. non-rigid and rigid. And it's an, a blimp is a non-rigid airship. Yeah, yeah. Um, a Zeppelin is it's like there's a... a like a wireframe. Yeah, yeah. That's and like like exactly as I described in the Or one one is it's a wireframe that's surrounded in like a canvas. And then inside of the wireframe there's bags that are filled with gas. Yeah. To bring the yeah. whole thing up. I always think of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They had a toy of a blimp. Yeah, I had that, yeah. Yeah, my mate own had it, and I was, I was like, never being so jealous of him. <laughs> oh, I got for Christmas on here. But no, I was just reading up because there was uh, the Union Army Balloon Corps. <laughs> was a, yeah. it in the American Civil War. But hot air balloons are around a lot longer. Yeah, yeah, and they were used for recon and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were around since, like, 17th oh, yeah. century and that, probably even well, prior. There's, this, there's the thing with, um, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but there's this these maps that show up these ancient maps do you know about these um there's loads of these ancient maps that are shown up and they're supposedly from the library of alexandria i sense a holocaust denial coming no 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 <laughs> it just um, sounds like a conspiracy like, uh, yeah. so, it is it's yeah they, there's all these like ancient maps yeah. that exist and stuff and they show landmarks on them that could be Greenland and the North Pole and America and stuff, but they come from like predated way before people knew any of this kind of stuff. Also, and they it, think people actually charted them by blimps. Yeah, no, what they believe it, and they're, but they're even drawn in like a, a distorted, almost kind of fisheye effect. That what they believe is people like they were probably from Egypt, and they had balloons in Egypt and went up and then looked out. Oh, they were and just mapped that. what they as far as they could see. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's loads of the theories that they're from ancient civilizations from even older and all this kind of stuff because they show um, like landscapes that are covered in ice caps but they've been covered in ice caps for like 40,000 years but they have the, the landscape underneath the ice caps almost perfectly mapped so how could they do that and, all this, and it's like eh, well you know <laughs> yeah, yeah so the, there's all these theories that they came from an ancient civilization they're passed down through generations and all this kind of stuff too too like that they're they're copies of maps of copies of maps of copies of maps from so long ago yeah, yeah. this kind of stuff so that's one of the theories they had like really advanced tech for their time that was lost yeah yeah these are the theories but the more thing is it's very likely that uh, hot air balloons went back as far as ancient egyptians yeah anyway was the point i was making yeah yeah no that, that's just not an ancient greeks and stuff like that that's... probably used them for some sort of like surveillance or for map making yeah, yeah for recon and stuff like that like and because it's that a very it's a very like simple technology this well yeah yeah but the story you're just describing like that just interest that just sounds like a cool story it does yeah, yeah. <laughs> it actually reminds me there's a, a mary shelley book the last man oh yeah um <laughs> is it there is it, it is there? it's right there where beside after 
Afterlight, between Afterlight and the Terry Pratchett book. Oh, yeah. There is. I don't know why I need to take it down. But you'd like it because it's a post-apocalyptic. Yeah. But it's um like it's written that Shelley found this um manuscript in a cave when she was on like a holidays somewhere. Oh, okay. So yeah. it was written like a thousand years ago and there was like a functioning world and yeah. an, and a, an infection hit. Yeah. And what and, and what yeah, and this guy's documenting that and in that like they have they have blimps and stuff the world. Like they didn't even have them in Mary Shelley's time. So but she was oh, writing okay. the 100 years before or a thousand years before that when it was this other society that went yeah, through an yeah. apocalypse they had them and it was all wiped out yeah i can't really remember the details but yeah i but uh, i think it's very likely that ancient civilizations like that had hot air balloons like wh- why wouldn't they really you know what i mean like if they built technology to a certain level yeah, they yeah discovered yeah. that heat rises and they could create that you know what i mean because there's very clever people back then um, yeah, yeah. A, re- a documentary i do recommend is the oh, what's it called the I think it's ancient computer or the first computer. I I think you actually told me to watch that before, and I never yeah, did. Yeah, it's it was believed to have been built by um, oh, what's his name? Is it Socrates? Is the or not? Oh, sorry, um, oh no, I think you yeah. And it's it's basically a calculator for calculating the movement of the stars and the planets. Yeah, yeah. And it's just this incredibly complex uh, cog machine uh, that they found, like deep sea. D- divers found and they've recreated as much as they can of it because uh, it's half it's ha- fossilized and rusted to bits yeah, and stuff. yeah, yeah. just goes to show you like the level of like the higher educated people at the time uh, what stuff Are they created so like just the fact that all those uh, ancient uh, societies and cities actually were able to build bridges yeah that should be impressed like that and irrigation and Sewer system, but like bridges are one like b- constructing a bridge is one of the most complicated <laughs> things. You like, yeah, like a, to, a brick bridge, like uh, yeah, yeah. To hell with buildings, like like uh, anyone building bridges that actually last, and they're, they're bridges. They're still there. Yeah, like in <laughs> yeah. Greece, isn't there like a bridge in Greece that's like three thousand years old or something? <laughs> yeah. So like, it isn't out of the realm of possibility that they were able to do all this. Like, put this like building an like. Making a hot air balloon work is nothing compared to making a bridge work. Yeah, and I, we know how to build bridges. So, well, I think one of my favorite ones is—is is it um, is it Cambridge? You what about Cambridge? Is it Cambridge? No, Oxford. Oh, it's oh. the oldest one of the oldest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was built in like it was started in like twelve AD. Yeah, or yeah. <laughs> and it's like at the time, uh, it's like the time of the Mayans that everyone goes, "Oh, the Mayans are so advanced." It's like, yeah, but in England they. University. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, even here, like, and it's gonna. Is know. Oxford actually the oldest? Because I thought Ireland. I can't remember. Is I it think, Oxford? Uh, maybe Oxford might be the oldest that's still around. Because wasn't it like I know it's like a monastery, but wasn't Clonmacnoise okay, yeah, yeah, in yeah, Ireland? So, that's yes, the f- you're right. Yeah, yeah. Because that was a uni- That was a university. Yeah, and it's the oldest. So that part, I don't know. I don't even. I'd be no, guessing a year. Like, but yeah, yeah. We should do a special there too. We should. Yeah, yeah. We're talking like. Thousand years old, twelve hundred years old. Kind yeah. of, uh, organizations that are still around. And, and <laughs> I think there's a bridge in Clumac. No, it's just to stay on the bridge. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say the last thing about hot air balloons because actually I mentioned this before, but I think it was cut out because we went on a huge tangent. But the first ever air disaster, which would have been in a hot air balloon, yeah, happened in Tullamore, 
which is near me where I come from. County Offaly. In County Offaly, where we met there once. We did. Yeah. We we're trying to get a film funded. Yeah, yeah. It was o- so over that over that it. town. There, there was a a hot air balloon crashed, and the entire town went on fire. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, and it caused this massive fire. And every year they have like the Phoenix Festival. Oh, is in, that what that is? Yeah, yeah. And it's because yeah, you know, Phoenix rising from the fire. Like, oh wow. It, I think it marks the day the town was rebuilt or something. Yeah. And I was in. I don't know the year. But it was like sixteen fifty or something. Um, but that's the first recorded air disaster. Also, I think it's technically Burr. It happened, but it's near Tullamore. The first ever uh, road crash happened. A road death happened as well. Yeah, yeah. In like 1870, where a woman from Burr Castle, a wealthy family, and yeah, she felt they were, had like a, you know, a, I don't know, a steam-powered car maybe, I don't know. Mm. And she fell off the back of it and went under under the wheel and died. They had a driving machine. A driving machine, yeah. But yeah. like so awfully has the first ever air and road oh, yeah. disaster <laughs> in recorded history. Wow. So there you go. That's the place Johnny's from. Um will we move on to something else? Yes, yes, do indeed. This is kinda good. Well, yeah, I'd yeah, I'd say you like this. No, actually I'm not sure how I I, I can't read this article because it's not an article. But this was something I found in the very back of the Chicago Sunday Tribune from July 6th, 1919. And it's a comic book strip. Ah. Well, it's a section called The Rectangle, and it has a bunch of different comics in it. Yeah. And so I just read a few of them. I, could, I don't know, should I just say what happens? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well, no, actually, I'll, I'll put a I'll link, we'll link to the, to the strip. Because yeah, it doesn't okay. matter. You're not even going to find it funny me just explaining what happens. Oh, okay, yeah. Because yeah. it's visual it's a comic book strip but it just i liked it and i was like oh i want to hear i want to know more about this yeah about this section direct rectangle and there was a particular one i found or and it was on it uh, a little strip called gasoline alley (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so i was just like i'm gonna i'll I'll read some gasoline for an album (laughs) (laughs) and i read a few strips and then i like i'm pretty sure i'd even heard about it before but so I just I, I looked up a bit about it, and so this is Gasoline Alley. So it, it originated in the Chicago Tribune, in the back of it, in this section called the Rectangle, which is just this black and white big page on the back of the Sunday paper. And this is where like just staff writers would just do one shot panels of just continuing plots and themes. So one corner of the this section, the Rectangle, introduced Gasoline Alley, which is by this guy called Frank King. It, the main characters were. Walt, Doc, Avery, and Bill. And just every week they just held conversations about automobiles. That's wow. all the panel really was. And it, it grew over time. But it gained, it got really popular. And then it became a daily comic strip in August of 1919. So yeah. you had it, the Sunday one, and it became daily. I guess it's like, oh no, yeah, sorry, it became a daily comic strip in the New York Daily News. Yeah. And it was on Sunday pages on in the Chicago Tribune. But it's almost like going into, what do you call it now, a TV show when you're on long enough and you go syndication. syndication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, created by uh, Frank King, launched on November 24th, 1918. And Frank King, I, like, I read loads about him, but I'm not going to go into him too much because his story mirrors Windsor McKay, who we talked about, who done um, Little Nemo. I was just going to say, this sounds really like Little Nemo. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was the son of a mechanic and moved to Wisconsin and his family owned a general 
store and his father didn't want him to do he started drawing up for his father didn't want him to do it uh eventually yeah. he went to fairs and started drawing people instead of going to school the exact same answer <laughs> okay and then eventually this salesman sal- a traveling salesman spotted him yeah and got him a job really liked his work and got him a job like doing advertisements for papers and stuff <laughs> and so it's just it's Windsor McKay's story. So go back and listen to the Windsor McKay episode and just change the name to Frank <laughs> King, I guess. There's obviously more to a really interesting guy too. And yeah, so yeah, he began like and he was earning like seven dollars a week for uh It's pretty good. D- yeah, it's not bad for the time. Just doing adverts and stuff. And he doubled and he doubled his salary when he started just doing his own drawings and retouching stuff. And yeah, so he's doing really well. And then the, the rectangle was brought to him, or the, the idea of doing a rectangle was presented and just getting different people to work on it. And, you know, he just jumped out. I mean, what it literally means is they gave them a page. Yeah, it. literally, yeah, because it's a square, it's newspaper square. So it was two pages at the back. So it was the rectangle. Right. Ah, yeah. okay, so it just covered both. And yeah, and he was sort of the main guy doing the rectangle. He had a, a bunch of recurring strips. So here's some of them. Tough Teddy, Here Comes Motorcycle Mike, High Hopper, which is about frog, and his first successful one was Bobby Make-Believe. Wow. I read up some that's very, like, little <laughs> yeah, yeah. too. Um, and then during World War One, yeah, he's still on the war, kind of, but of yeah, he was sent over to uh, pretty much draw, uh, draw the war for publication. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he was over just sketching what was going on, which, like, that's a rough job. <laughs> that is a rough job. <laughs> like, that's so much worse than just being a war photographer going over. Like, like how, do you, how do you do that? Do you, like, just sitting in a trench, like, drawing what's going on? I suppose you'd find inspiration. Yeah, yeah. no, I haven't gotten any of his, uh, I should have looked up some of his drawings for that, actually. Do you think, like, in a different lifetime, that's how we would have met? <laughs> I'd have been a war photographer and you'd be a war sketch artist. <laughs> we just both be sitting in trenches going, doing a podcast. Are we here? <laughs> doing a podcast on a war. On a, a, a cylinder. Yeah. Gramophone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're still going to do that, record a, a podcast on a cylinder. Because you can do that now. You can do it, yeah. It'd be yeah. great. But yeah, so Sunday 20th, November, I said this already, <laughs> in 1918, on November 24th, uh, the bottom section of the rectangle featured Walter Wedbury Wallet and his neighbour Bill Dock and Avery and this is what became Gasoline Alley and they were just mechanics essentially hanging out in Gasoline Alley fixing stuff and chatting and having a crack and that doesn't sound very interesting that just sounds like it sounds amazing <laughs> I, it actually was like even at that section it's good but what makes this very unique is that the characters because instead it ran for a long time yeah and the characters aged wow and they had babies and they died no way. and the kids grew up and became the new characters yeah oh my god so for a while it just focused on that regular like on the car talk 
And then yeah. in around 21, 1921, the head of the Tribune, this guy called... Joseph Patterson was his name, but anytime I seen him, his name written in writing, he was called Captain Joseph Patterson. <laughs> he was the head of a newspaper. I assume he was a captain in the war, or he was a sailor beforehand, but he kept the... Maybe. the he probably, he probably owned a boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he wanted the... He thought the cartoon would get gain more popularity uh, if it appealed to women. Yeah. And there's a quote of him where he just said, get a baby into this story fast. <laughs> <laughs> and Frank King didn't want to do that. He thought it was silly. Yeah. And he didn't want to give the main character uh, a baby because he wanted him to be a bachelor because it just meant for better, you know, chat with the lads like that this guy was a single. Yeah, yeah. So his way around it was he decided to have Walt find a baby in a basket on his doorstep. And oh, I don't know if that's okay. maybe that's where is that where that trope comes from? I wonder. I w- yeah, I do wonder. I'm sure the Bible probably comes from because the classic is you leave a baby at a fire station or outside the church on a doorstep. Is the classic fire station or is that just Breaking Bad? Well, no, no, I've heard that before. Really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I forgot they did it in Breaking Bad actually. Because when I saw in Breaking Bad, it's like, oh, that's actually really that's really good mm, idea. That's I very thoughtful. Um, but yes, yeah, I, for- I forgot about that. <laughs> so he had him do. So yeah, so he had him find it. Which yeah, that's and that reminded me because like when I started reading this and reading about, it, I was like, sort of like, you know, working class people hanging out in a dirty alley, talking. It kind of sounded like always sunny in Philadelphia, <laughs> <laughs> and there is an episode now where to find a baby in a dumpster. <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 Uh yeah, so anyway, yeah, so he found a baby and actually it happened on Valentine's Day at nineteen twenty one. That's oh, when right. had that storyline happen. And they kept that storyline going for ages of him like trying to figure out what to do with the baby, whether to yeah, cope yeah. for adoption. Like months go by and eventually he just keeps it because, you know, he develops a bond with it and it became this stronger storyline. And even done one where it took like days. Because it's a daily strip at this point, so for days yeah. he didn't have a name for the baby. And so he was going around trying to like get everybody in Gasoline Alley, like all the side characters, to sort of help him like agree on a chosen name. And the name he settled on, well, his first choice was Skeezix. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. S K E E Z I X. I think that that's all it could be. Yeah. But and apparently that's a slang term, like for like it's the equivalent of like tyke or something. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. But the boy was formally christened, 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 <laughs> christened. Uh, yeah, Allison, Ali, son, uh, son <laughs> of the Ali. Ali. That's yeah. brilliant. But they kept call. I think they kept calling him Skizik or whatever yeah. the hell that name is throughout it. And and yeah, so it was kind of because of this strip that it evolved into the continuity of the characters aging and all that. So the children grew up and adults grew older. Oh, yeah. and, Once they brought the baby in, yeah, yeah. And but it's weird because like we're like Simpsons don't age. Yeah, uh, like even Marvel comics they don't they age maybe five years over the course of seventy. Yeah, well, they ten years. Yeah, I always get the impression when I read a Marvel comic, it's like, when did the Civil War happen? Oh, a few years ago. Uh, when did weeks s- ago? Yeah. Is sorry, it w- the Marvel Civil War is like months ago, nearly or a year ago. I always think of it just being uh, a few years ago. Yeah. And then when did Gwen Stacy die? Yeah, a few years ago. It's always just yeah, a yeah. few years ago. Give you an idea. 
because I know this. Yeah. Right. I'm a big fan of the comic book uh, Iron Fist. And that started in oh, I'm going to I'm going to going to let myself down here and say 76 and I think it's 75, but I could be wrong. And in that, the character Danny Rand, who is Iron Fist, mm. is 19. And in a comic book that's made, I'd say, about three, four years ago, it's his 33rd birthday. Yeah. So it's been roughly about just under 15 years between the 70s and now for the characters. Yeah, and like Peter Parker's around the same age. Yeah. Like he's around 13 now. Yeah, he's about the same age. But Peter Parker started when he was like 15, I think. So, um, Oh, why did you say this guy was 33? Yeah, he's. I think there was a whole issue about when he turned thirty-three. Something happened. His powers, well, yeah, because yeah, his yeah. powers are all related to. A so Spider-Man is still a few years younger. If he was nineteen, and Peter Parker was fifteen or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think Peter. I think he's six. Although it changes what age he was. Yeah. Anyway, well, sorry. <laughs> I still, it's comic that's, book. That's, right? the, that's, that's the best very reference. Very much related to what we're. Yeah, but that's the best reference I have. Sorry, myself. Well, they at least try for the continuity. Well, they're all about continuity. But, you know, generally, like cartoons. And anything outside of like DC yeah. and Marvel Universe, they just don't age. Like Disney characters don't age. Mickey Mouse is the same age as he always was. Yeah. yeah. But I guess that all kind of comes afterwards because at the time, King sort of like asked about it, like why he done it this way. He was just like, well, why why, why won't? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a quote for him I have here, and it's like, "You have a one week old baby, but you can't stay one week old forever. He had to grow. By logical extension." So did everyone else. Yeah. So, like, yeah, just because the baby... Yeah, he can't stay a baby, so everybody had to start aging because of it. Yeah. And, yeah, and so then, like, it was already a popular cartoon, but because, like, you have this dimension of real life to it now, it starts to take off even more. And they start to bring all these everyday concerns. Just even, like, it still focused really heavily on automobiles, but it became, like, all about, like, you know, all the advances in technology, like, and... Oh, even cool. them getting worried like where their jobs were going like and them not yeah, being yeah. trained to fix new like it just became yeah. like about it was a soap opera at this point now like it's about yeah, American yeah. small town life so it just it, it continued to grow on, on up until the point then it was like in 300 different newspapers oh wow you that's serious at, distribution you're looking at time yeah, yeah no, I'm just curious yeah it just grew in popularity and it was in like 300 newspapers at one that's point serious like distribution spread yeah that's crazy <laughs> like 2,700,000 readers at one point. Oh. And in 1941, King wrote... Uh, this is... Uh, yeah, so it's still going in 1941. Oh, yeah. Um, and he was... This is King. He was just asked about it. I don't know if he wrote this in a book or whatever, but he's just been asked how long it'll go, and this is what he said. Just what the future holds for Skeezics and Gasoline Alley, nobody knows. If permitted a fanciful prophecy... I should say that Skizik will eventually marry, probably raise a family, and make Uncle Walt a happy foster grandparent. Skizik's offspring will in turn grow up, marry, and have children. They in turn will thrive and mature and repeat the customary cycle. So, the same year he said that, it branched out into radio. Ah. With this, uh, Jimmy McCallan played Skizik's. Yeah. And Janice Gilbert as his girlfriend. Nina Clock, who in the comic, <laughs> like they got married in the comics. Yeah, and became grandparents and all this, but they were all in it too. And then there was a movie titled just called Gasoline Alley. 
<laughs> that was released by Columbia Pictures. And the same year, a second one, Corky of Gasoline Alley, was released. What but year was this? 1951. Wow. Two movies in the same year. Yeah. yeah. That's how that could be done by, by then. And yeah, so it's a complete soap opera in the comics at this point too. <laughs> I must read some. It sounds really interesting. And there's great stuff like this uh, King lad. He, um, Frank King. I was about to say Stephen King by accident. <laughs> um, he was like boasting at one point how you know being a cartoonist was an easy job. Also, actually, his artwork is amazing. Like he's, it looks like Burton-esque German expressionist stuff. Oh, okay, well, sometimes and sometimes it's really colorful. Sometimes it's really dark. He does these really cool stuff where there's one comic strip that looks like the entire, the entire double page is just a map of Gasoline Alley. Yeah. And within it, all the stories are happening because you just have characters in different oh, places. Wow. There's also one like that for four days, there was a house being built and it just had the characters story <laughs> happening while the house was. It's really cool. Like so the house has been built in the background. Yeah. Like. yeah. And he's just having like, he's just experimenting and having it. And he done loads. So Again, like Windsor McKay, he established. Some... This was a daily comic though, was it? I think he was working on the sun. He only done the Sunday one. Yeah, and then in other people would do the daily one because there's so many side characters at this point that other people would look oh, after. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not too unlike managing Marvel. Like, it's basically Stan Lee then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was boasting that like being a cartoonist was an easy job and he could yeah. teach anyone to do it. So he got this guy Bill Perry, um, from the mailroom of the newspaper and trained him as his assistant and trained taught him how to draw and stuff. And he obviously spotted a talent in him though. You can't just well, learn to draw all of that, but yeah, you yeah. can't, yeah. But yeah, I'm sure he saw something. But he, yeah, he he started him writing. He'd good graffiti stuff. in the bathroom. Or yeah, <laughs> and then in '56 he hired this guy Dick Moore's. Uh, basically, long story short. Sorry, hang on. This guy's name was Dick Moore. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. What well, he he uh, also conveniently because of his name he was uh, an assistant to Chester Gould. So it's not Gold. G O U L D. So Gould? Gould, yeah. yeah. Who uh, created Dick Tracy. <laughs> That's <hilarious. laughs> So uh, Anyway, sorry. Yeah, so uh, we're in the 50s now. 56 when he hired this Dick Moore guy. And he worked on loads of stuff. He was, I think he worked on Mickey Mouse comic strips. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, King wants to retire now. He leaves the Sunday strip to Bill Perry. And he leaves the Daily One to Dick Moore. So Dick Moore is now Stan Lee. And Bill Perry is Jack Kirby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and there's this, that's not too uncommon. There's this tra- tradition with like comic strips. They leave it to their assistants after they retire. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And they always fall off. Yeah. But um, it didn't in this case. And it became really, really popular. And uh, Dick, Dick Moore uh, just modernized it and... He focused on different characters. He took loads of side characters. He started doing crossovers with like Fritz the Cat and stuff that was owned yeah. by, that was in the same papers, and it just became really, really popular again. Getting they reckon maybe even surpassed King's original story. But what's weird? It seems Dick Moore kind of took it away. I want to say as much as possible. <laughs> Sorry, I know you're probably going to take this out in editing, but all I can think is on certain legal documents, his name would be more comma Dick. <laughs> I can't stop laughing at that idea. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, because there's only one on the difference as well. It's great. But 
the only thing like he seems to have stopped them from aging for a good while at least oh really okay yeah not entirely but I suppose he probably found characters he liked them where they were yeah but they they obviously aged faster than say real life the way they're being written no no I don't think so it seems like well maybe sometimes maybe if the story really needed it but yeah we like doing say time jumps but just well you know it's coming out every, like, what is it, five, six days a week? This is coming out. Yeah. At, what, say, six days for you could be, like, a year for the characters nearly or something. Was that no, kind of no, case, no, or, no, no. Or a couple of months for I the characters. No, I think they were aging with the, I think it was literally, if a if the baby was born on Valentine's Day in 1921, his birthday was it's on. the next, he yeah. won the next year, like, oh, okay, Yeah, right. now I'm sure they got. I'm sure there was stuff where they just actually forgot what age a character, like where they were just like, oh, we haven't aged him in a while. Yeah. Make yeah. him look older. Because how do you add, like King of the, have you ever watched King of the Hill? Yeah, yeah. Oh, not because they aged the characters and they do it fantastically. Do they? I didn't know. Oh, that. yeah. yeah, yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. Because like even, um, they have characters that go bald by the end of it. Like, and Bobby goes through puberty and he keeps aging. Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They do a really good job. But there's some with, they struggle with the older characters, like the grandfathers. Like, how do you make him? He he's already always, looks He's so always old. 65. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but he definitely ages like he gets more problems in it, but physically you don't notice it as much yeah, on yeah. him. Um, the, one, the one I always I really notice it in is in Adventure Time. They do it really well on it. That the characters getting that they're praised a lot for that that the character is getting older because what they did was they've a kid voice actor plays mm. the main character Jake. And what they did with, as the kid hit puberty he they have the character reach puberty and have him continue mm. growing. And I think he's like, he's 16, 17 now. And the character is like, so basically the actor is the same or the character and the actor age at the same time as the way they've done it. Yeah. In yeah. Time, which is a good way to do it. It's clever. Well, anyway, sorry, yeah. But yeah, back to Gasoline Alley. Like, um, it kind of, and it even gets really sad. Like those characters that kind of forgot about and they kind of just said oh, he was killed off screen and stuff and then oh. wrote a backstory around them. Um, you'll be happy to know it's still running strong today. Really? Yeah. Wow. Walt is 115 as of April 2015. Is he still alive? Isn't he? Still alive. His, as an old man, is he? His wife died. He's a widow. And apparently it was a really, really traumatic, like just <laughs> sad because they ran it for like five days. Yeah. Skizik, he's the only non-aging character at the moment. Oh, okay. He, he hasn't aged in a while. But yeah. he's probably still like in his 50s or oh, something. Oh, yeah. He's an old man too. Walt... Well, one fifteen. He was there for the they done like a hundred year celebration, yeah. And other characters from other comic strips throughout like the last century, <laughs> like came. I suppose he started off as a young. It's not like he started as a kid. He started as a young man. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. He'd have been yeah. like seventeen when I don't know why he was when it started, but um, yeah. His wife died. Phyllis died at one hundred and five. Wow, um, that's my aim, by the way. <laughs> I'm aiming for the big one five one oh five. I'll be happy after that. That's good good goal. Good but it's currently written by Jim Skankarily S C A N C A R E L L I if you wanna And he looks <laughs> like he seems like a cool guy. He seems like to do really good stuff with it. And he's like he he's in his seventies. He's a banjo player, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> he said out everything about this. He seems it? like some crack. Um, but yeah, it's still running. Like, so it's run, wow. it's running longer than any Marvel or DC property. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's still incredible. going. 
And they, like they, did they start in 1919? Is that what you said? Or 1918 was the, when it started. Oh, okay. But you just found it, it was in the comics. This was, yeah, I just it. found it this week. Uh, yeah. I just happened to find it at the back of wow. the Chicago Tribune this week. So an excuse to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Apparently still, as it's going now, they still reference stories from the last <laughs> hundred years. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> um, can you imagine, like, do you get, you know, you start working at Marvel, you have to have like a good working knowledge of, absolutely yeah, yeah. Like imagine like <laughs> a daily comic strip how much you have yeah, to that's insane yeah it's a good story though and you know what if you want to know more about history of comic books because there's some cool stories out there yep. you can check out marvel comics the untold story which is nearly a 20-hour audiobook or superheroes capes cows and the creation of comic book culture and you can get uh, one of those books for free on audibletrial.com forward slash yesteryear's news today you get that and a 30 day free trial you can get any book you want really um yeah. i know I'm, I'm looking around johnny's room here and he has every book all so, the books uh you certainly have every stephen king book um there's a lot of stephen king in here the thing it looks like there's ever there's not really though like that's not that's the the scary thing is there, that's not half of stephen king's books yeah. i'm sure and, I, and i'm also looking at it's like looking back through our podcasts because there's like i see buried alive i see <laughs> um there's something else there's oh, oh you're like frankenstein things like that, you know I me mean, there's uh, there's loads of books that are referenced to like stuff that johnny knew loads about when we did podcasts previously <laughs> because of your book collection <laughs> hemingway oh that's hemingway yeah, there's loads yeah. of hemingway. I, I was thinking that was hemingway i said um, more... this is the first time we've recorded our podcast in this room but what it does make me influence is I, I'm going to listen to all these books on Audible. Yeah, yeah. Because I couldn't be bothered sitting down reading them. Uh, I like reading them. But you know what? Actually, I can recommend an actual audiobook I've been listening to called... What's it called? Catelyn is Missing, I think. Or Somebody is Missing. I can't remember the main character. Or was well, it's her friend. It's like it's the type of book you will always... I, I'm sure you'll see it in a charity shop. It'll be like one day where you just see copies of it in a charity shop okay, because it's the yeah, type of book yeah. your man reads. But it's actually quite good. It's about this old woman with um, Alzheimer's. Oh, yeah. And her friend's missing. Yeah. But nobody believes her. Oh, wow. So she's trying to find her herself. But she's struggling with the Alzheimer's and she doesn't know. It's like Memento. Yeah, Where she's yeah. trying to figure out what parts she's imagining and stuff and you can get that on audible that's where i got it yeah (laughs) so there's an actual book i'm actually listening to that's actually good even though if it's something your mouth would read (laughs) so it's Uh, audibletrial.com forward slash yes you news today yeah and that's all so far but i've got some other just really quick stuff if you if we have time now i'm not going to read this goes on and on i'm just going to read the first one just to because i I really like just even if these aren't funny on the surface i just like reading certain things from the newspapers to just sum up how different the time was so this is from the pacific rural press on july 12th 1919 and this is queries and replies wrong at the root is the headline to this to the editor I have a Santa Rosa beauty plum, three years old. The plums are beginning to ripen, and I noticed the leaves beginning to wilt, and I dug down uh, ambulance. That is a serious <laughs> around the roots and found they are diseased. I am sending you this twig. Please tell me what the trouble is and what can be done. <laughs> <laughs> Re- That's really funny. Sorry. Re- reply. 
The twigs only show that they have not been properly supplied with sap to make good growth, and that the foliage is now wilting and the fruit shriveling for the same reason. And the editor goes on to tell him what's wrong. And the letters That's just amazing. continue like that. Current troubles to the editor. I am sending you some leaves. <laughs> and the editor replies, what's wrong? Like, it's this sec, because it's a Pacific Rural Press, so I guess it's, um... Yeah. But, like, it's this whole section of just people sending plants to the editor. Figs, peaches, and peas to the editor. I'm thinking about selling <laughs> either peaches or figs the coming season and would like your opinion on how far trees should be apart. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. I love it. It's... Um, it's- it's the original Google. That's the yeah. That's yeah. the thing, for really funny thing about it is it's nowadays we just Google yeah, that no, stuff. You don't or need you to, buy a book about yeah, it. Yeah, you go like, on a message board and ask somebody. Yeah, yeah. Be, yeah, I didn't want it. Like it's not so a big different thing, nowadays. and I wasn't going to read the whole. I just I want to mention anytime I find something that just reminds me of how fucking different the time was. Uh, how different wanna, it is now. Yeah. This I do want to read to you, just because this is a nothing story. It's just it's just how it's written. Oh yeah. So this is from the the good old Sausalita News. Oh yeah. From the twelfth of July. Sausalita News. <laughs> Cupid burglarizes ferry building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, I'm clicking that. What's this about? And in the first paragraph, it's like, what? And then right, so Cupid this week managed to enter the office of Fred Redemaker, chief clerk to superintendent J.K. Brassel, and abduct one of Redemaker's most efficient and popular employees, Miss Carol C. Dias of Mill Valley. Okay, where is this going? In San Francisco, she will become the bride of Frank B. Austin, Jr. <laughs> of San Francisco. <laughs> And formally, and it just goes on. The wedding will be a church wedding, attended only by the relatives and a few friends, blah, blah, blah. The bride is the daughter of uh, bank director Joe Dyer, and it just goes on. But it was just their way of saying she's getting married, she's getting so married. she won't be there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. That's brilliant. I was waiting for you to tell me a story of, like, a man dressed in, like, a diaper. That's what I thought Breaking was into going, a place. No, it's just them telling this woman getting married. Uh-huh. Because, of course, back in those days, even uh, my mother, and I'm sure your mother is probably the same, that when they got married, they uh, couldn't work anymore. Mm. It, it was expected. It was, um, what is it, etiquette that they didn't yeah. work anymore because they had husbands to take care of them. Yeah. Where now, I'm, I recently got married, and it's um, I'm dependent on my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I've given up work. I'm a stay-at-home husband. That's <laughs> I changed That's my uh, employment status on Facebook to professional stay-at-home husband. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that was the thing, yeah. Like, in America, I think the... the for, well, for certain, depending on where you come from. Like, it used to be a thing that, like, you know, the girl, the woman would work, like, as a waitress. As She might work two or three jobs while yeah. the husband was... Or while the, the boyfriend, whatever, was studying medicine. Yeah. yeah and it. she paid his way through college. And then yeah. when he became a doctor, she became a stay-at-home wife, and he bought yeah. her and then stuff. Every stay-at-home mother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's the classic. Yeah. Like a... And was that it? Was that the news? Think... As it was this week in 1919. Yeah, yeah. And the war is over, and all that that happened yeah. last year. But you know. Yeah, yeah. No oh, more God. war. 
no uh, more war. That was the the war to end all wars. So we never need to worry about that again. Yeah, there will never be such a great. We'll never have to war. talk about any more wars on this show. Not for another what twenty weeks. But that was a war to end all wars. I think we don't have any more. Oh, war. So, no, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, yeah. See you in the future. Don't you mean the past? <laughs>